But I put together a marketing plan for our department. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, this, you know, I spent some time putting this together. And she was just like, how do you intend to do this and do your job at the same time, Jonathan? And I was like, are you talking about the $1.7 million in premium that I wrote that I wasn't supposed to write and I oversold? Are you talking about the flawless renewals that I've had? Are you talking about my 101% retention rate? Are you talking about my feedback surveys that always come back AA plus? Are you talking about that? Are you talking about that I'm six months ahead on all of my renewals and all of my clients have already bought them? What is it that you want me to keep on track with? I'm trying to fill my time because I'm a salaried worker. That's literally how I came out to her. And she was just like, I'll evaluate it, whatever. And that just completely shot me out of the sky. I was like, you know that this is a good idea. It might need some coaching and guidance, but this is right. a good idea. And this is supposed to be what you're doing. So why wouldn't you let me be ahead of a project that that grows my flame, helps you in your role, because this is your department, and everybody's kind of happy. Mi gente, what's good? Dímelo, dímelo. Welcome to another episode of the Can't Do It As Podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a reminder on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism because it feels like we've been trained our entire lives to believe that who we are authentically is unprofessional and inappropriate for the workplace. That's not true though. We're here to help you unlearn that so that you can be your most authentic self at work. Each week, we have a different guest join us for a very candid conversation around their experience between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Jonathan J. Mentor. Jonathan J. Mentor is a revenue growth expert that provokes economic growth and visibility for disadvantaged humans in the B2B tech space. He helps these companies through Successment, where he is the founder and CEO. In 2019, he relocated to sunny Florida after having been born and raised in New York City. When he's not in Florida, his favorite place to relax and recharge is the Dominican Republic. To finish off, he is also proud to be a Latinx Black queer father. To get a full bio of Jonathan, please be sure to check out the show notes of this week's episode. Now that you have a little bit more context into who he is, let's get into this dope conversation. All right, cool. So let's start off what we always do with the buzzword that is authenticity. Hear it all the time, but what does it mean to you when you hear it? Authenticity <laughs> means legit, like arriving and filling and holding a space as like your true authentic self. And that takes a lot of it takes a lot of bravery. It takes some balls to do it. And it took me a really long time to really arrive authentically because for me, it happened in waves. For me, authenticity really means staying true to your culture, your experiences, the way that you move through life and taking that with you rather than assimilating for benefits that are either real or perceived. When you talk about assimilating for perceived benefits, talk to me about those perceived benefits. Like what did you think was going to come? Access, parity, respect. When I make no secret about sharing now, which used to really be an embarrassing secret before I achieved success. Now I don't give a shit, but I'm a three-time college dropout. So when mm -hmm. I was first in corporate, in conversations, people would do a lot of virtue and, and status signaling. Okay, guys, how was your weekend? Oh, I went on the boat. I was in Nantucket and we were skiing in Aspen. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm there and I'm like, well, this weekend I went to the club and I went to <laughs> then I went to a typical party in Dykeman and I went to the barber shop and I caught up on all the tea in the neighborhood. And then I went to Van Cortland Park to watch a basketball game. That's what I did. But I wouldn't want to share that because I feel like it would have made me seem like I didn't belong there. So for me, kind of like trying to like code switch very early on, I felt like it would make me fit in a little bit more. And it did, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, got, I gained a lot of points and access and social capital, which I needed in the very, very early days. But as soon as I made it to where I was comfortable in terms of my life and career and equanimity, most importantly, I'm like, fuck that shit, I'm Jonathan, period. Yeah, <laughs> I wanna go back to that experience because it's something that we all do. It's that infamous question Monday mornings. Oh, what'd you do this weekend, right? So in those moments, what would you say? I would try to dress stuff up. If I went to 
Van Cortlandt Park, right? Van Cortlandt <laughs> Park is right there. And, I live right you know, there, yeah. Right, you would have told me. And between, I grew up between Dykeman and Hope Projects, right? That was my life for a long time as far as where I lived. So, you know, there's no, go- like, there's a golf course. I didn't go to it. There's <laughs> shit to do there. But I- so I would sit there and add to the fact that when I penetrated corporate for the first time, there was also a generational gap as well. I was the yeah. youngest person, the only person of like color. So I had to battle those two things. So they're talking about like their grandkids and their nephews and this travel. And my son just came back from Singapore. And you know, my daughter's going to graduate from college. And this person is having a baby shower. Jonathan, what did you do? I took a lovely walk in the park this weekend and it turned into a hike because I'm taking care of my, I'm watching my steps on my Fitbit because I really want to take advantage of the employee wellness program because I want to get my rebate and I enjoyed the cinema. I enjoyed the entertainment and stuff like that. And I can't even do the cold switch anymore. I used to be yeah, so yeah, yeah. It. it used to be like spot on. But and literally, you wasn't even you wasn't even lying. Like you did go for a walk. You did go to the park. You just I left did. out a couple I, of details. I left out that I passed like some needles on the floor, and I saw a fight between two crackheads on the way to the, the little lake that's man-made. And in the lake, there's a bunch of floating shirts and shit. And I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to out myself. You know what I mean? Yo, there will be times where I'll be like, yeah, I went to go visit family because my family lives close to me, so I see them like every other weekend, probably. There was a point where I was too ashamed because my mom and I, well, they still live in the projects where we grew up. I was ashamed for such a long time to even take pictures in the apartment because there was this mismatchness of things. And to your point, people were talking about their like fancy getaway homes. And I was like, yo, there ain't no way I could take a picture on these plastic couches. <laughs> you feel me? What? Right. The only time that I had room to brag was because, okay, full this, I'm mixed. All right, so I'm Haitian, Dominican, Puerto Rican, but I was raised the Dominican way. So I always identify as Dominican. If you ask me, that's how my Spanish accent comes out. That's how most people will catch me if they see me around. The biggest flex for me was, is when I was coming up, the Dominican Republic was just getting discovered as a resort destination. So they're over here talking about, oh, yes, I'm planning my vacation to Jamaica and I'm going to Bermuda. And I'm like, well, I'm going to the Dominican Republic on the beach. And I was not lying at all. Taking those showers with the buckets of water you pour it on. And then you're like, cold. I wouldn't mention none of that, but I would mention that I'm going to go to the Dominican Republic and then I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to ride the dune buggies and I'm going to ride the horse. That's where I felt like I could match. But sometimes I had to kind of embellish or avoid conversations because again Mm. not only was it like a class difference or racial Mm. difference but it was also like an age difference so there was a lot of intersectionality in my case yeah no that's really interesting i think that's something that i hear all the time and what about what did your swag look like in some of those early career experiences like how did you dress up i I could show you pictures (laughs) i literally look like fucking Carlton Banks. I swear <laughs> it was the, and I would do it with such intention. And I'll tell you why my first and was it my only, no, my first foray into corporate where I really used it to launch into who I am today, which was really the chapter of my life, which was called like learning business acumen. Cause that's all it was. Right. I was work business, business acumen. acumen. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was a big mindset shift for me going from doing paid hourly labor, like cashier, folding clothes, waiting tables, serving at a bar, to now doing like knowledge work in an office. So understanding things like how to properly write an email, put a signature, the value of a calendar, learning how to negotiate, learning when a phone call was appropriate versus an email, learning how to speak to people's level, learning how to sell, learning how to evaluate when they're selling to me. You don't do that as a motherfucking cashier. Your cashier is cash or credit, hurry up, miss, let's go, and let, you know, and speed is valued. Yeah, it's so, very tactical. Right. So when I got into corporate, I was trying to be the speed demon all the time because that's what made me a really good start when I first started before that. But they were just like, oh my God, you are so fast. Like it's only Wednesday and you did all of your renewals. Jonathan, this is phenomenal. Wow, you're a paragon. And I'm just like, I, I'm like, I'm a paragon. Yes, I am a Paragon. Thank you so much. <laughs> what else is there to do? And it was just like in a store or something like that, like in retail in that setting, when things were done, they were done. There's not much more you could do. There's no whatever. But in an office setting, there was always something to do. So I had to learn that over my stints 
six, seven-ish years in corporate, learning how to kind of shift how I manage my time and where I place my effort. And, and in some of those early career experiences or even growing up, did you have a vision for what you wanted to do or certain skills that you wanted to show? What did you, what'd you think about career-wise? I just always knew that I was meant to be a leader. That's something that, interesting, this is the interesting fact, Pavel. Literally, you can Google this. Only 7% of the world's population has the mental and emotional acumen to be a true entrepreneur. We're not talking about homegirl that does lashes and she sells cupcakes and my kakiao. That's different. A true career entrepreneur, there's only 7% of the world. So I clearly didn't know that back then. So I always felt like an alien, whether I was behind the bar or folding clothes in a store or doing deliveries or working as a benefits consultant or doing what I do now. I always came in and I was obsessed with improving the process, improving the outcomes, going to the solutions, thinking higher level, coaching everybody around me, bringing everybody together. And these things in corporate are not particularly valued in a very rigid corporate structure. So I was yeah. constantly, I constantly felt like shot out of the sky all the time, right? Cause I would always ask the stupid questions unapologetically, like, why do we do it this way? Why do yeah. we do that? Why do I have to be here at nine when my first meeting is at 11? What is the value of me sitting here <laughs> in my desk? I'm a salaried right. worker. What do you want me to do? Just you want me to, do you want me to pretend? And I was so uniquely Dykeman aggressive in your face, very transparent that it didn't serve me well. And eventually I had to learn how to conceal certain traits of my personality and even my culture, even talking with my hands and shit. It was like, it would yeah. make me stand out. And, and I wanted to be successful so badly that I had to find a different channel to place that in all of this energy, right? And hence I became a million in two motherfucking years and I found it successment because the same skill set and drive that I had inside of corporate, rather than them thinking divergently and saying, this kid is passionate, let us mold and channel him in the direction that we want for the business. They just say, he's a troublemaker. He wants too much too soon. He's too ambitious. He needs to learn how to stay in his place. And baby, I was never meant to stay in my place. I was always meant to stand out and lead. And that's yeah. what I've become very successful at. One of the most disheartening comments that I received was in my last job, I was in sales, but I think of myself as a creative, right? Sure, I can book meetings. I can make connections, all this kind of stuff. But I had, I don't know, a creative idea for this pitch. And my manager told me, Pabell, your job is to set up meetings. Go set up meetings. And I was like, oh, Absolutely. that's all you That's all you think of me as. Absolutely. All you think of me as is like a meeting, a person that sets up meetings. Like, uh -huh. and I'm like, yo, it was so like. Insulting, right? It hurts. Yeah, it was insulting. And it was also telling me like, damn, I need to find another outlet where I can do the selling and the relationship building and have this own creative outlet for me kind of thing. But what you alluded to some like comments that could have also been disheartening for you, right? They, like, how do you were, think you were received? I was received as really rough around the edges. And I internalized that for a long time. Yeah. And for me, coming of age in my career as a professional, it came in waves. It came in waves. It didn't all happen. It wasn't like some aha moment. There were just very specific things. Like the strangest thing to me that I've had, even before corporate, this is when mm -hmm. it hit me like you're a fucking alien to them. I'll never forget this moment. Now, you and I are both Dominican. We're both from Dykeman. Or we're both from Uptown, right? We sure, understand sure. the culture. I was in the middle of my first stint in college because i dropped out three times my first stint in college five time college in dix hills long island and i was in the middle of a communications class believe it or not and for whatever reason I, something happened and i was like and, and yo when i tell you half the class the whole class was white first of all half the class was like what does that mean what? i was like i'm like i'm weird to you like that's cr like moments like that happen in corporate all the time I remember that like the CEO of the company, because this company was Italian American led and they're very, they have swag, right? They have a very particular swag okay. and the company was also in the, they focus a lot on like luxury items and luxury designers, right? So there was a lot of like luxury items that come in and out of the office. So the CEO, of course, at that time had to embody that. So picture him, perfectly pomaded hair, the Cuccinelli suit, the Hermes pocket square, the Versace ties, the belts, the shoe, flawless, man. 
And I wanted to be that. But the rank and file, I mean, they all look like they work at State Farm. Shirt tucked in, half tucked out. They sweaty. They got the sweat ring around the collar. Not Jonathan. Jonathan, baby, I will come in my cheap ass suit and I will get the best pocket square and the best tie and the best shoes that, what was it? It was, what was it? Was it Billabong on Fordham that I could buy? buy. No, it was the tuxedo store on Fordham. You remember? Tuxedos, whatever. I would try to mimic all of that. And it will make me stand out. And it was a lot of, to paraphrase, it was a lot of, who do you think you are? You don't even leave the office. And I was like, well, baby, I see me here. So I'm going to come into the office and I'm going to arrive at my destination the way that I need to. That was always a part of my personality. But the way that I was received when I left the office, it was almost intimidating to my, well, excuse me. It wasn't almost. Now in retrospect, I know the bitch was intimidated, but it was very intimidating to her. Because she was always, you look like a teacher or whatever. And we're here selling at a corporate level to enterprise clients. And I would show up looking sharp and they would start the conversation with me instead of her. And she would get very Mm. frustrated, right? And she would redirect. And I'm like, like it's like, he looks important. Let me start the conversation with him because of how you were dressed. How do you, in a lot of these situations, was it like this unspoken body language or were specific things said to you? No, it was a lot of specific things said. I'll give you a perfect example because I resonated with the example that you gave me. So I'm in growth, right? This is what I do for a living now, and I'm really good at it. At the time, we were, I was working in the smallest department of a very large firm. And that, that made me unhappy because remember, entrepreneur mindset, I always want to grow. So I'm just like, what can I do to make my department seem more important? Because every time we go to a holiday party, or there's a company announcement. We're like a, we're almost like a subtext. I don't like mm-hmm. it. So let me start thinking about how to do more. So I put together, oh my, and I saved it to this day. It's very embarrassing. It looks like a book report. But I put together a marketing plan for our department. And I was like, oh hey, you know this, you know. I spent some time putting this together, and she was just like, how do you intend to do this and do your job at the same time, Jonathan? And I was like, are you talking about the $1.7 million in premium that I wrote that I wasn't supposed to write and I oversold? Are you talking about the flawless renewals that I've had? Are you talking about my 101% retention rate? Are you talking about my feedback surveys that always come back AA plus? Are you talking about that? Are you talking about that I'm six months ahead on all of my renewals and all of my clients have already bought them? What is it that you want me to keep on track with? I'm trying to fill my time because I'm a salaried worker. That's literally how I came out to her. And she was just like, I'll evaluate it, whatever. And that just completely shot me out of the sky. I was like, you know that this is a good idea. It might need some coaching and guidance, but this is a good idea. And this is supposed to be what you're doing. So why wouldn't you let me be ahead of a project that that grows my flame, helps you in your role, because this is your department, and Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of happy. No, she went. Same shit. In in that situation that I was talking about earlier, same thing. Like, I was killing my numbers. Right. Killing it. And I'm just like wait, what are we talking about? Because if you look at the data, like I would understand if I wasn't doing well at my job and you're like, go set up meetings. I'm like, you got a point. I hit my numbers. Let me catch up. Let's talk about this next quarter. But if I'm dropping buckets, come on. Yo, and your story reminds me of, I don't know if Ruben Harris, he's founder and CEO of Career Karma. And he, when he was in investment banking, he worked in two different markets. One was in, I don't, I think like Chicago and another one, I forget, but he would dress up like very dapper in his suit. And in one perform, in, in some performance reviews, he would get labeled as cocky. He's too much. He's flashy. All of these. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? So, the thing. so the next job that he got, he was like, well, I got the performance you before, you know what? I'm in a different market, same company. Let me dress down. So he didn't wear a tie, same suit, but he a little chiller didn't take his job seriously enough not dressing up to par and this is what do y'all want me to do right and solo la sombra is one of the two <laughs> you can't go and solo la sombra you're gonna be in one of them it's always gonna be a complaint right but for you like you're starting to get some of this feedback and they're like essentially two ways that you two routes that you can go right and i think most of us end up trying to dim our light a little bit right because we want to be accepted we want to succeed in corporate we want to etc etc is that what some of what you started doing I started, yes, I started to dim my light in terms of my appearance, but not in terms mm-hmm. of my professional activity, because what ended up happening, people ask me all the time, how did you, what's the story between you being there and now you founding Successman, right? right that right. bridge came from everything that I did outside the office, right? So I took advantage of, because I've always, listen, I'm not, 
intellectually vain. I'm not arrogant, but I know how to navigate, right? So if you're telling me this doesn't follow company policy, baby, I'm all weekend reading that manual. What else? <laughs> I want to find out what... Oh, this line right here, it says that if I have a client meeting, I can go outside of the office as long as it's on the calendar. So I took advantage of that. Anything work-related, I took advantage of educational opportunities, I took advantage of conferences. And what ended up happening was, is that inside of a year, I had, inside of this industry, I had I had about four articles published. Mind you, I'm just a little account executive, just a little piece of shit. And I have my little own office because it's a small company, but I'm this little piece of shit as far as their concerns. None of them had articles published in industry magazines. None of them were invited to speak at conferences. None of them were invited, all expenses paid to the Borgata Hotel in Atlantic City to attend as a VIP guest because I was on an industry podcast. Okay. None of them were invited to speak to net new business, right? They didn't know how to relationship though. They weren't interested in that, right? They didn't sit there and speak to one client in HR and said, oh my God, you know what? You did such a great job, Jonathan. My homegirl from my sorority, she works at company X. I need you to talk to her too. And then all of a sudden I'm wrapping up an entire, cause I was licensed. I'm wrapping up an entire contract, soup to nuts, and then bringing it in. Oh, here's another $700,000 in commission guys. Here you go. And it was just like, oh, that's not part of your job, but great. You could have made a lot of mistakes. Let me just review it for you. And I'm just like, baby, you don't need to review anything because I have journalists reviewing my points of view and publishing my opinions, my op-eds in their magazines. Don't minimize my space. Don't try to infantilize the professional that I'm becoming. And it happened. And as soon as I started getting accolades outside, from outside that office setting, my ego went through the roof and I was already on autopilot. I would do everything that I needed to do at work, but there was no more, let me bring this. And towards the end, I remember in the last three months, they noticed, they were just, are you okay? I'm just like, can you close my office? I have renewals to do. Jonathan, do you want to go out to, no, no, I'm having lunch at my, for the last three months, I was like, oh, I was, and people would come and they would try to build community. And they even sat me down. And I remember the month before I got fired, they noticed like my mind goes elsewhere and whatever. And they were just like, are you not happy? Whatever. And I was just like, I'm just here to do my job. I'm here to do my job. I'm meeting all of my performance metrics. My clients are happy, but you know what? You don't get the version of me that you used to, because when I tried to bring those ideas to you, I didn't receive the support that I felt was appropriate. And um, yeah, so I'm just enjoying my time outside of work and I'll, I'm coming at 9, 9 p.m. And at 5 p.m. I'm out of here. So at 4.45, Jonathan, can you check? I got 15 minutes. I got to go pick up my daughter. I got to go because the employee manual said nine to five. It doesn't say 9.15 in case you need a favor. So please respect the employee manual. Wow. So it's like, that's fascinating. Like, yo, I tried with y'all. Right. I, tr- I tried. Y'all wasn't, y'all wasn't feeling it. Let me fall back a little bit and just focus on work. And it's interesting that you still found an avenue to channel all of that energy, that ambition, that creativity. And then you started kind of like finding the validation in some ways that you deserved in the office, but you weren't getting in some ways. You almost weren't even given the opportunity to get that. No, I absolutely was not. And that's, I feel very strongly and confidently that was all meant to happen. All of that was meant to happen because the way that I moved through those experiences were meant to happen because Mm -hmm. of imagine they would have been the most supportive group in the world. I would have still been inside of corporate, likely earning a hell of a lot less money than I am earning now with less span of influence, with less opportunity to really grow something of my own. And I would have been an intrapreneur. They didn't know Mm -hmm. what the hell that means. They didn't have that mentality. They were just like, he's not falling in line like that. The George Orwell, 1984, he's not falling in line. So this is a problem for us. And he's also doing things outside of work. So we don't understand how he can balance outside, outside professional activity that we're not particularly sponsoring with his work. And my response was, if you see something in my performance that needs improvement, please show me the numbers. If you provide me with the data, I will improve in whatever direction you need. But if you can't, then it was basically like your corporate speak. Put it in writing so I can evaluate. And that was basically like, fuck you, leave me alone. Like I'm doing my job. That's what you wanted me to do. Don't expect it to be all chipper and dandy about it. Yeah. I, so at this point, is this when you launched your own company and became like a full-time entrepreneur? No, not full-time. I remember that what ended up happening was, is 
So I was in corporate for six years. The first three years, I want to call, the chapter is called like learning business acumen. How do you move and operate within corporate culture? Like really basic things that to us, we kind of take for granted. Like I mentioned before, here's an email, setting up your voicemail, setting up your vacation response, basic stuff that I needed to learn. Okay. So that was one. Then it was the subsequent year. I want to say year number four or five, it was all about ideas and exciting and learning and bringing and and recommending and proposing and getting shot down. The final two years was me going out into the market in my industry and becoming involved and very visible. I, I want to say humbly i was like a linkedin influencer at that time before that was like a thing because everybody kind of knew me on linkedin i was very active back and then i stopped for a long time and now i'm back but anyway back then so i started building a lot of relationships and so what ended up happening was is that people out in the market started associating me more with my own independent work rather than the company that i represented yeah same no problem for my company they were just like Oh, not the account executive from ABC company. That's Jonathan J. Mentor. Oh, I know him. I've seen him speak and I've read his articles and he's on every podcast and he's everywhere in the industry. Like he's a somebody. And what ended up happening was, is in my role, I was a broker, right? So you know what a broker does. He connects these vendors, puts them in a package and then sells them to the end client, right? So technologies that wanted to penetrate the Benetech and the HR tech and the insure tech space started approaching me and saying, hey... What do you think about our products? What's your opinion on this? How would you sell that? How do you position this? And what happened was, as I started getting confused as like a health industry, like marketing or growth consultant. And so that's when God opened up the door and he was like, Jonathan, this is what you're meant to do. And I started moving it before I understood or knew what that was. So I started getting like consulting offers and all, and this was all foreign to me. Because remember, I came from like bartending and shit. You're not going to sit there. Somebody's at a bar and say, hey, you want to come bartend at my bar mitzvah? That doesn't happen. Yeah. But in corporate, it's like they, if somebody sees talent and they can hire you or contract you or something, it's going to happen, period. It's going to happen. Right. So when that started happening, that gave me a lot of confidence. And that's when I started doing successment on the side. It was terrible in the beginning. But I started doing it in parallel. So the day when the day came that... I got that infamous, this is, and again, I was ignorant to the facts of corporate culture, but the infamous end of the day, end of the week meeting. And I'm over here thinking like, oh my God, finally, they're going to recognize me. Yo, me too. I was like, like, oh my God, finally, they see what I'm doing and they're about to do something really special. I'm so excited. So baby, I got my folder together with all of my renewals and my shit together and everything. And then on the other side, all of my published articles. And I'm ready to, I had a proposal. This is the title that I want. This is the raise that I want. This is, these are the things because this is what I'm worth. And this is how much I brought. I even had an equation calculating my salary against <laughs> the new business I have produced that I can do attribution. I was like, you're paying me $75,000 a year. I wrote net $1.7 million net new business plus my renew- you know, everything. I was puffed out chest Friday ready. So Jonathan, this is going to be your last day. We're so excited for your new direction. And if there's anything that you want to share, I was like f- floored. At that point, I think that was like, the first wave where the code switch went out the window because you know how like in Charlie Brown, the teachers and it's one, 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 one. I'm just like, I, she slides me the, I have my folder. She slides me the folder. That's how she opens. Hey, Jonathan. So what's going to be your last day? And we are so excited about your next. Ra- it's a moment of the process. So I opened it and I'm looking at the severance package and I didn't know what a severance package was, whatever. And they were just like, say, yes, yeah, sign this and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know at what point, like I woke up, like I got switched on and I said, because it was the head of HR and then it was my manager. I said, how dare you minimize the impact that I brought to this company over the past six years? And how dare you try to manipulate me in a way where you deny the attribution of revenue, new business relationships and reputation that I brought not only to this department, but to the company at large within the industry where there was never a mention of this company. And you're telling me because I'm moonlighting that you want to fire me. This will be the biggest mistake that you will regret today. 
and we will revisit this conversation in the future when I surpass both your titles. But if what you're asking me to do is sign this so that you can avoid litigation, number one, yes, I need the money because I'm from Dykeman, New York, and me and my daughter live in a two-bedroom apartment all the way down there, and I travel an hour and a half to Westchester to be here. So yes, I'll sign the severance package. I have no intention of suing you. But in the future, where you see the direction that I'm going in, you better remember my name because I'm going to remember yours. And they have always followed me on LinkedIn, so I know that they see everything that I'm doing. And ever since that day, I said, you really need to step into being yourself. I wasn't ready 100% yet, but at that moment, since I had already prepared that report and presentation for them, I went through all of my act and I realized that I was even more valuable than I originally thought. I'm like, oh, I'm having fun building relationships, making money for me, making money for the company, making us stand out in the market as divergent solution providers because it's difficult to stand out as a broker. And you're still telling me I'm going to do what I need to do. No, fuck you. You're wrong. You are wrong now. Why did they let you go? Was it performance, did they say? Or did they say, they, what did they say? They, what they were able to do since they had an intranet, they were able to see that I was like responding to like non-work-related emails and like mm. going to specific sites during the day, whatever. But true to the culture that I built now in Successment, because I've always stood by it, my argument has always been, do you want visibility or do you want accountability? Do you want tasks or do you want results, right? Mm. All of my renewals, emails, conversations are done for the day. And you demand that I sit in my desk until five. Would you like me to pretend to type on my computer? Would you like me to sit there and look at the clock until five? Or would you like me to be productive and happy? Because I'm making right. you happy. I'm meeting all of my numbers. So what did you want me to do? Am I stupid? Yeah. What do you want me to do? And that experience there, because th I didn't say all of that. The, what I said sure. previously, I said, this was just things that were circling in my head. Ever since that experience, I've always been an enormous advocate, like at success, four-day work week, non-linear work days, North Star project management, agile project management, accountability over visibility. I don't need you to clock in. I don't need mm -hmm. to know how many hours you worked on this. I just need to know at the beginning of the week, if we agree that you're going to get things A, B, and C done at the end of the week, I'm paying you for value. I don't care if I'm paying you $100,000 or $100. If I'm paying you what you consider your value... I don't care what amount of time or what difficulty it takes to do it. If you can do it in two hours and in my stupid head, I'm thinking it's going to take you 40. Power to you. Why would I penalize you for that? Right, right. It's interesting, too. Like you mentioned, it, this is a point where you start at least starting. This is a point where you at least start to think about, let me stop the faking it. Let me start being a little bit of who I am. And yeah. I want to empathize with you that you're not alone in this idea of it coming in waves, right? Because we've hit mm. so much about ourselves that... What people often do is that we start showing a little bit about we start showing a little bit to be like, what's the reaction from the world? Mm -hmm. Oh, I right, it's cool. All right, let me start showing something else, and eventually we start becoming who we are now. So, That's right. so I want to check in and ask you what that first wave was, but I also think it's interesting this idea of like entrepreneurship. People think, oh, you could be yourself. You're calling your own shots, and I'm like, eh. It's not like I'm paying my own bills. Like someone else still has to pay me. Mm -hmm. So there's still the pressure. It's yeah. not like the pressure goes away. There's no. still the pressure. But within that pressure, what did you start? What was that first wave of that you started showing? Them? So when I stepped out of court and I listen, first of all, I understand on such a deep level because people don't talk about that pressure enough, that mm -hmm. anxiety that never goes away. I remember when I first stepped out on my own. I actually wasn't terrified. You would think I was terrified. I actually, that was the, at the point where I decided to pack up and move to Florida. I was just like, mm -hmm. the hell with this. I'm going to go do what I need to do and I'll figure it out. Because if I sit here in New York, remember my three-time college dropout, corporate. Corporate always required. Well, at that time, it was a lot more stringent. Now it's a little bit more lax. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, for the role that I was in, I was lucky that I got in because of family. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just roll over to another even though i had all the relationships they were all they had because i had tried they had already told me you don't have your bachelor's so it's yeah. really not gonna go and i'm like with everything that i'm doing i'm like with all the act with everything it's just a company policy i was like they okay, used to whatever. i remember my first time applying at google they asked me what my gpa was oh my god that's so intrusive though right so not even just having the degree and i already had a couple years of experience too but yeah to your point, yeah, but continue. Yeah, so I found that 
again, like in my head and true to what I advocate for now and everything that I do, I'm like, those things are so ridiculous. Like I always, like I did the talk in California that I just told you about. And one of the points that people like clapped for me, I'm like, oh, maybe I thought it was because I was cute, but I made a point. <laughs> it was that you're looking at someone who's black, brown, and gay from New York. I'm dressed like this because I was in Balenciaga. I, had my ch- I was chilling. Everybody else, they were all stuffy and hot, sweating. I'm there cool as a cucumber. And I'm like, I'm black, brown, and gay from New York with this accent, all these tattoos. I'm dressed like this, dropped out of college three times, and I still managed to do a million dollars in personal income over two years. People work a lifetime for that kind of shit. So don't ever let your appearance and your presence and your person personality affect that kind of stuff, right? But when I had first ventured out on my own, I was still very self-conscious because I was like, I don't really know how to do this for real. Yeah. So I was still very guarded in showing my personality and i remember the second wave where i was just like just forget about it it was to your point that anxiety piece it was i was living in miami and picture it me coming all the way from marble hill projects and dykeman this is the scenario i'm sitting in my 30th floor floor to ceiling window up a condo on biscayne boulevard it was called met one looking out on the ocean at dolphins and the rest of the city at my computer stressed out and i'm like oh my god what's happening called a friend of mine who was also an entrepreneur we went to lunch at novaco which was in the Mm -hmm. lobby of my building and i told her i was like yo i'm always feeling this enormous pressure that i'm gonna lose everything and i'm gonna go tumbling back to dykeman it's just gonna be taken i feel like such an imposter syndrome right limiting beliefs i'm like Mm yo one day maybe these clients are going to find out that I don't have a college education, that I know, like, I'm good at what I'm doing, but I don't know what I'm doing. I get results, but I'm not sure how to attribute those results. You know, that I say I have a company and at that time, it's really only four of us. Is that really a company? Like a lot of the things and it was killing me. And at the time, I also remember I was dividing my attention between looking for clients and servicing them and also applying for jobs, right? CMO roles and VP of growth and marketing roles and all these things. And she sat down and she was just like, what it feels like, Jonathan, is that you're spending a lot of energy, like looking around yourself saying, where is it coming from? 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 The bad news. And it's okay to feel that way, but realize that's just an anxiety because yeah. the sense of security that you would have in a job is the same sense of security when you sign a new client. The same effort that you put into putting a resume together and looking for jobs is the same effort you're going to put together with proposals and looking for new clients. So just yeah. switch the mindset. Your entire, I mean, look at how, because she knew me for a long time. So she knew me from Harlem. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, do you see where the fuck you are? Like you drive a fucking Alfa Romeo, everything in your class is fucking Gucci. I would sit here and do a photo shoot in front of your fucking window. What is your problem? Just mm. you have, you've arrived here. You need to let that go. That life was a chapter that's closed. Let it go. You're never yeah. going to be able to find a job because you're an entrepreneur and you've already arrived at this destination. You think you're going to be squished back into a box? You're going to be happy that way? No. Right. Lean into becoming an entrepreneur and do it. And it was like, like when you talk to like your mom or one of the viejitas, like, and they say just the right thing and it just melts <laughs> anxiety. Like yeah. I just thought that and I was like. Ugh. Yeah. They hit you with un refrain and you're just like, damn, that yeah, shit I hit. My, and I was like, you are so fucking right. How can isn't, I? Isn't that crazy though? Like you, it's like the, the illustration you're providing is so powerful. Like I can imagine myself on the balcony. I can see your closet. I can see the everything, the beauty. And it's so important that you said is you can have all the things tangibly, but if your mind ain't right. Oh my God. Right. Just a simple, like you said, it's a simple mindset change. Yeah. And literally how I'm talking to myself, how I'm talking about myself changes your whole perspective on shit. That's right. And I remember after that moment, after that very one cup, because you know me, if you're an entrepreneur, you're like, let's go quickly. Like everything about the way that I did business changed. And that was our first six figure year. And then subsequent to that, we did the million. And then since then we've been growing, the team has grown our reputation, everything. And it was because what I realized, and this applies to entrepreneurship, as well as the beginning of our conversation, authenticity, your mind and mental wellness and equanimity, it's real estate, right? Yeah. yeah. If you are constantly building a skyscraper of doubt and 
regret and self-doubt and imposter syndrome, if you don't knock that building over, then you don't have space to build confidence and growth and foresight and leadership and creativity because you have limited fucking space. Yeah. So that's what happened to me during that conversation. All the space in my mental block that was being held hostage by all these limiting beliefs, it went aside. And when I speak to entrepreneurs that are very early in their journey, they're, ah, that's woo, how do you make money? And it's just, you're never going to get it. You cannot, you can't start with tactic. Oh, I want to learn how to do what you do. It doesn't matter if you do what I do. You could be selling, man, you could be selling Wonder Bread, like the Wonder Bread company and make a billion dollars, or you could sell jumbo jets like Boeing and be a million, a billion dollar company. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is your mindset and your ability to clearly strategize what you're doing and lean into it with full faith, confidence, skills, network, mentorship, and support to move forward. And ever since that moment, there's never been a doubt in my mind about where I'm going as a, as an entrepreneur and where my company is going as a leader in our market. So how do you continue to stay in that mindset? Cause I'm there most of the time, but it's yeah. natural. It's human that we get the doubts. It's human that I just had a call with your boy the other day trying to build the app. Right. And I'm just, Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, after the call, I felt really good. I was like, Oh man, this is good. The next day I'm like, yo, why the fuck am I building this? Right. Who's going to care? Who's going right. to blah, blah, blah. Right. When you get in those moments of doubts, like how do you get yourself back in, in a positive space? My team and my clients, mm. I, like literally going back to the, to your underlying theme of authenticity. When I work with a client, I don't treat them as an account. I literally, and I know this is going to sound woo to a lot of people is first of all, I have to believe in you and I have to like you. And if I like you, I'm going to want to spend time with you. And if I spend time with you, there's going to be moments of vulnerability and sharing. So you have conversations. And the advantage that I have is that I work with, with black Latin and queer startup founders. So they are, they battle with the same ups and downs that I had battled with earlier in my career. So when I feel those moments of self-doubt, I pick up the phone and I call a client and I'll say, how's everything going for you? And they'll tell me how wonderful they're doing and the growth that they're experiencing. And then it'll go a step further because of our partnership, Jonathan, not only was I able to get that, that round of funding, but you know what? I took my wife out on a vacation. I bought my kid a fucking car. I was able to buy my mother her car. I was able to go on a vacation for the first time in three years. I don't worry about bills on a personal level. And my company's growing. And I'm happier now. That's what you did for me. And me hearing those stories from our book and the impact that I have on others, I'm like, either that or my team constantly reels me in all the time. Like, I admit it. There's a lot of ideas. Let's prioritize them. Cool. And I've learned how to do it. But when we set a strategy for something long-term that's relatively new, strategy always sounds great in the beginning. It's how intelligent these are going to be the milestones. It's going to take nine months. And at the end of the nine months, out comes the baby, right? You can't sit there and knock on a lady's belly. It's four months. You're still going to come out later? All right, just checking on you because you're making me nervous. Can't do that. So when I have those moments of that, I'll go back to my team and I'll, without telling them how I'm feeling inside because whatever, I'm like, oh, how's this project? Going? There's been amazing growth. This is where we're at now. We're ahead of schedule. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then they'll ask me about my daughter. And then they'll mm. ask me about how was LA. Then they'll ask me. I saw you do this stupid ass post on Twitter. Who are you beefing? Who are you? Who are you beefing with, Jonathan? Who are you and subbing? Like, oh my god! And it just takes me right out of that place because I realize that I have people that believe in me around me, and that's really what grows my flame. That's a, there's an interesting theme that I'm starting to see with, and it brings me back to something that someone said. They were like, addiction typically happens in isolation. The mm -hmm. opposite of addiction is community, right? Like you were in doubts and you spoke to your friend on the balcony and she was mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You're getting in doubts. You're speaking to clients. You're speaking to teammates, right? Like mm -hmm. other, like we get that energy and positivity from other people as well. And it's similar to me as well. Like I was having a conversation with someone that I was working with and she was telling me about her doubts and in me giving her a pep talk, I kind of gave myself a pep talk. A pep I was talk. Like, oh, yep. That's yo, right. But that conversation is really important. And as I think about those times when I am very doubtful, it's when I'm by myself. Yeah. A lot it's of times I overthink and I get in my head and all of that shit. It's true. But these days, like, and I don't think you answered this question. <laughs> like 
these days you're showing you got the bling out you got the colorful glasses you got showing off your tattoos you do you, you, the quote-unquote accent you're being yourself but like when was that moment for you and what was that first phase again that you started showing okay so it was it, we became very intentional in january of this year like january really of this year, yeah seriously the january of this year was when i literally said because there were things that led me to this moment. And again, it led, to, it led to revenue outcomes, to be honest with you. But I literally said, you can't expose a man with nothing to hide. Right. Ooh. So I can't sit here. Because that's, you know what, Pavel, I'll be honest with you. I still have two Instagrams. I still have my my personal social media profession separate. Because people really aren't ready for all of that. I get but, you. I get it. But I really said this year as a CEO and as as a growth partner for startups, we're going to walk our woke. We're not just going to talk about it. Okay. Because I'm not going to sit there because I'm not going to sit there and have a headshot of me from three years ago with me in a tie like this. <laughs> and then you get on cam with me, right? I'm talking to right. me, business, new client, whatever. And I'm just like this. And I'm like, oh my God, wait a minute. Uh, let me turn up the Okay. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> so nice. To, I was like, that is so corny of me to do. Like, why would I do that? No, I'm going to be who I am, work with who I want to work with, and I'm going to lead with the most powerful word that I know. Why? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why? My why is always my daughter. My why is always mm -hmm. my daughter. But as a business, why are you doing growth services? Why? Why? Because we want to provoke growth and economic visibility for underrepresented humans and technology. Why? Because technology makes communities a lot of money. Why is that important? Because people listen to people with money. There's plenty of people <laughs> marching on Washington. There's plenty of people ranting on social media. And that's important work, right? But I'm confident that's not the direct provocateur of change. The direct provocateur of change furtively is people with money. If we have money, then you can't really, you can't bother us. We'll build our own community. We'll build our own banks. We'll build our own tech ecosystem. We'll hire our own employees. We'll feed our own families. We'll pick up the garbage on our own streets. We'll incorporate our own set. We're chilling. And I don't think that's spoken about enough. So for me, I really wanted to focus on my why. And my why was in order for my daughter to walk into spaces in the future and for people to see what I imagine the future are going to be curvy hips, curly hair, Latina in the face, mixed, an accent. I don't want people to automatically sit there and think, oh, she could probably dance because she's Dominican. Or, oh, her, she's half Haitian. She could probably braid hair. No, I want them to say, oh, my God, that bitch looks rich. And I wonder if she can give me access and parity. And that is not something that's happening now, right? Because there are not enough of us that are being visible in our own space with our own culture and admitting it unapologetically. Because I have not, it's been rare that I have come across, even back in corporate to now, that I won't come across my other Latino friends or my black friend and they're there like this. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yep. well, this is my suggestion. And I'm there and I'm like, nigga, you better stop playing with me. I know your ass is from the motherfucking brunch. I Stop. Because I saw them shoes in Bellabong too. I was going to get them to deal. $24 motherfucker. You better stop playing with me. And you just automatically... And I use jokes to build a rapport, right? Intentionally, because it's, it's non-confrontational. But you will automatically see like this fucking brick on their back. They take it off and they're just relaxed. And yeah. they can be themselves and do business. And yeah. that's one of the barriers that our community faces. How can we give our all to powering our careers and professions and communities when half of us is always holding, it's like Mystique from X-Men. She's always holding a part of her power to be in a shapeshift. Imagine if you could just always be yourself and yeah. still be respected and build and hold space. You know what I'm saying? So for yeah. me, that's important. And do you think it's helped your career? Oh, yes. Because when we... When I decided to move successful in that direction, and I said, we are only going to do business with the 9% the of BIPOC-funded tech entrepreneurs. Very small space. And it was scary for my team because, oh my God, is there enough business there? Are we going to be able to survive? How many clients are we going to get? And I was like, I don't care. I don't care because it's a part of our story. And we need to make sure that we set an example, not only for others, for our community, and for our motherfucking kids. We could party on boats too. 
in chains blasting hip hop. We don't need to be at the golf course being bored. Sorry, if you if that's what your thing is, go do your thing. But I didn't grow up playing golf. I grew up listening to hip hop and then bow and going to the Dominican Republic and drinking brugal and eating platanos and dancing. I don't sit at a business. With my fingers crossed. <laughs> Hello, Todd. <laughs> well, lovely boat party this weekend. Maybe that's not me. So why would I pretend? Now you need to pretend in front of me if you want to do business. And I've said no more than I've said yes this year to startups who approach us. Yeah. It has quadrupled our business. Quadru you know what quadruple is? In bit, I mean, you were in sales. Quadrupling sales is almost unheard of. And one of the biggest drivers of that is me showing up in spaces as myself and setting that example. Because and I people, still get it all the time when I'm a founder or when I'm working with Techstar founders or when I'm working with Parallel 18 founders, when I'm working with Black Ambition founders and Pharrell's uh, group of Hispanic and Black entrepreneurs. They'll come to me and they'll have this chip on their shoulder and they're this and they've heard of me. So they want to be really impressed. And I'm like, first of all, first, first, wait, wait, wait a minute. First of all, put your gun away. We're gonna have a real conversation. Where you from? How many kids you got? Let's really, what's going on? What's your goal? If you were to build this company and have this, like, what would that mean to you? It's that little who coaching piece that I do for the first two minutes to really disarm them because I want them to be present and not worry that I'm going to judge them. I always remind them, listen, if you're part of the 7% in this country that are funded tech entrepreneur with any melanin in your body, you belong here even more so than anybody else. So stop looking around for danger because now people got to impress you because you arrived here and a lot of other people did it. So let's now, let's get to the first 10 million together and let's, un let's unlock all of that together. You know what I mean? And that to me has filled my cup, grown my flame, helped me to do better business and focus on the kind of startups that I mean to improve and grow. Mi gente, that wraps up another episode of the Gendueras podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, do us a favor, share, comment, tell a friend to tell a friend. And if there's option to leave a rating and a review, please do so because it's going to help us in the algorithms to ensure that these experiences get heard by as many people as possible. That's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism through sharing our experiences. Thank you. See you next time.